Everybody in the family, the family of God, born again, delivered by uh, Jesus, are we equally important? Or are there important, important people? We read about, uh, a couple of years ago, we read about a certain minister that is so high up in his own estimation that when he comes to a church, he only goes to big churches, that he mandates that the, that the limousine that they get him for, with uh, that the temperature is a certain degree in that limousine, and they say he's very hard to deal with. You can imagine if you have to have your temperature a certain, that how difficult you are. And there's no doubt he and a certain amount of people that would ask him to their church think he's more important than other people, more important than the janitor that cleaned up the auditorium and all of that. But the truth is, uh, God says we're all equally important. I believe that. I, I can... I remember that uh, that God, how God has portrayed His plan for each one of us in history. You know, the Jews. If you read about Jewish people, they the parents set the career path for their sons. You're a doctor or you're a lawyer, and whoever gets the first one, then the second son is going to be the other one, and uh, that is just common. And you know that in the Jewish culture, there's uh, uh, they arranged marriages. They didn't wait for you to fall in love. They said, this man has a good business, and this man has got land. He's got a daughter. This will be your wife. And that was the end of it, pretty much. And it wasn't a lot of angst and everything. Truly, by faith, you could fall in love with anybody if you just put on faith. But um, that was a part of the culture there. And one thing that, that's in the Old Testament and in the New Testament families did for families. You didn't just break loose when you were 16 and go do your own thing. You stayed around in whatever the father was doing. So let's turn to Romans chapter 8. I want to, uh, I am in pursuit of raising the bar about our life and God's plan for it. I am in pursuit of, of knowing the will of God because without you, uh, if you don't know the will of God, you can't have faith for the will of God. Is that right? If you don't know if it's God's will to heal or not, then you can't release faith to be healed. And so if you don't know the will of God for your future, you can't have faith for it. It says in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, And we know that all things work together for good, all things working good to them that love God, and to them who are the called, the called, the called according to his purpose, his plan, or his intention. This is an amazingly powerful scripture. He said that all things work together for good to those that are called, know that they're called, and release their lives to be fitted to his purpose. We know in Corinthians it says that he has set the members of the body, set the members in the body as it has, severally as it has pleased him. And so there's an implication here that God has a plan for all of us. But I know in America, I, I was raised with, so far from that, it was amazing 
we had no regard for the plan of God. It was it was dog eat dog. Uh, the early bird catches the worm. You know, everything was you were just on your own. And parents, uh, as they do today, position their children educationally and and uh, and grooming and clothes and everything to have the best advantage. Um, the Amplified says we are assured and know that God, being a partner in their labor, all things work together and are fitting into a plan, and are fitting into a plan for good to and for those who love God, and here it is, and are called according to His design and purpose. Amazing. We've never, as the church, majored on that. Turn with me to Psalm 139. Let's look at that again. We looked at it last week, but let's set this up. Psalm 139. Because we said last week that the Word of God is the final authority on what we know about God and what we know about ourselves. That feelings and emotions, experiences, remembrance, other people's opinions, your accomplishments, your seemingly uh, weaknesses or failures, uh, all these things are not a basis for the will of God but His Word. Verse 13 says, For thou hast possessed my reins, Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lower, lowest parts of the earth. Verse 16. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect and in thy book... In thy book, all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Um, The Living Bible says, you saw me, in verse 16, you saw me before I was born, and scheduled each day of my life before I began to breathe. Every day was recorded in your book. This is an amazing revelation, that God has a plan that he laid out, I, I would liken it to a blueprint, a schematic where things are deliberate, things are set in according to other things that are set in. You use this kind of, uh, of, uh, of uh, sink because you've got this kind of lavatory and this kind of wall. Everything is set in there, and it's a perfect building because it's in a blueprint. Uh, the NIV says, all the days, all the days ordained for me were written in your book before I became, before I came to be. So the key or the battle the, that we all f- face is, number one, to even know there is a plan and to discover it. We've got to discover this plan because otherwise you'll be like I have been all my life or a lot of my early life, I mean, is where you're just wandering along to see what comes up to see what opportunity pops, to see what door opens. There's no planning it. There's no knowing it. You just make the best of whatever comes, and life happens, so they speak. But that's not what the Word tells. The Word says it's structured out, and that the highest use of your life for blessing, for pleasure, for satisfaction would be to discover the plan of God and to agree with it. To agree with it, we we look at all the divorces that are in the in the world, the uh, the movie stars and such. We get to read their dirt when we check out, hallelujah, and see what they're doing or not doing, and you know all that stuff. 
But we don't have to go far. Every family's been affected by that. And you just have to know that a lot of that divorce business is because, for one reason or another, either there was a great, great breach of who you married in the first place, or that the devil's trying to get you off the path that God has ordained and set you for an ultimate good or an ultimate uh, victory for the kingdom. You know, it's all for the kingdom. It's not just about us. It is about us, but it's all for the kingdom. And so there's a blueprint for each one of our lives, and it's in this book that God's got, and he wants us to discover it. One thing about the heathen is they can't discover it. But most Christians don't discover it because you got to pray. I said you got to read the word and you got to pray to stir up the mystery about who you are and what you're called to do and what your path is. You don't even have to know the end of it. You don't even have to know, well, Lord, you're going to make me this and you're going to cause me to do that. Really, you just kind of go into the blueprint uh, when they do a house, uh, the 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 main guy over it, what would he be? The contractor, the builder, he looks at the blueprint and he orders this many two-by-fours and he orders this much brick and he orders this many shingles. And uh, But he's not going to lay any of them in there. He just orders them and they all come out pretty much close. We're surrounded by construction in our neighborhood now and you, you pretty it's the same. They just always set it out there and it works. So we don't even have to know the end of what it looks like. You just need to order four deals of brick and, and 20 sh- squares of shingles, and then it'll all turn out good, but you got to order according to the blueprint. Even though you don't even know what it's going to look like. And God has done that. The contemporary version says, even before I was born, you had written in your book everything I would do. So everybody has a blueprint that is individual, that is unique, it is specific, and it's alive. It works with us as we take every day. His salvation is made new every morning, and so every day we get up, and if we missed it yesterday, it's like that, uh, that uh, machine that's in the car that tells you, go down and make the first legal U-turn and come back and get back on the blueprint, get back on the plan. Holy Spirit is constantly adjusting us. Would y'all say? And you go, well, Lord, this is good. This is good. Well, it, it would be good for somebody else maybe, but it's not according to your blueprint. There's a thousand options every day that we could go. We could quit our job, and there'd be good things about that. You could go to lunch anywhere you wanted. You could come back to the house anytime you wanted. Nobody would holler at you, but you wouldn't get a paycheck at the end of the month. There's a downside to quitting your job. And so every day you have options. But we try to stay on the blueprint. Well, Holy Spirit has a blueprint for us, and we've got, to, we've got to get on it. The battle is to get what's in the book reflected into the earth, to perform it in the earth. And you can't do that unless you know the, the rules and if you don't pray. So we're, we're all saying, let's pray. Not just to pray for the whole earth and for war to be abated and tornadoes to stop. Absolutely. But to pray out the mystery. You know, the word talks about speaking in tongues. We're not speaking to God, but uh, to man, but to God to unveil the mystery. What is the mystery? One of the mysteries is what am I supposed to do with my life? 
And we as parents, we certainly have to pray for our children because they're going to marry somebody that's definitely going to affect their life. And you can't say, well, whatever, kid, whatever you want to do, it'll affect your life. Yeah, I have friends and who their kids married. It has definitely altered the course and made it very challenging for them to stay on the blueprint. So we all got to pray out ahead. Uh, in Ephesians 2.10, would you turn in there, please? What Eric was talking about, I believe it was Eric that said, uh, yeah, the hovering. Um, when God said light be and Holy Spirit had been hovering, he was speaking according to a blueprint. God had a blueprint for the universe, and he spoke it at the right time. He has perfect timing, but Holy Spirit was ready. He was prepared. He had set the brick out front. He had set the mortar over there. He put the sand over there. We've been watching them build, so I kind of get this. And then one morning, all this crew comes and shows up, and all of a sudden, the mixers start going, and the trucks start going, and the bobcats moving, and brick starts going up. But it was a few days before that when it was all laid out in front of them. Well, that's what Holy Spirit's doing with all of us. He's setting some things down that don't seem to make sense because we haven't seen the end of the blueprints yet. Ephesians chapter 2 says in verse 10, For we are his workmanship, look, look, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Now, you may think, like I've always thought, well, that just means that God's going to, he wants us to do good things. Which God hath before ordained. Now, that's a, that's a big word, ordained, that we should walk in them. The them of the works, walking in them, implies that they are specific. It's not just do good while you're a Christian. Just bless and not curse and give and don't hold back. But there's specific things that we would walk in as Christians. Um, let's see if I had a verse for that. No. So the whole thing here is that God has a purpose for Kathleen and for Annette and for Madison and for me, a specific purpose, and we can follow that purpose. Uh, Paul talks in other places that it's the will of God for some to marry, but he said it's not the will of God for everybody. He said he allows it because you, some people just can't make it. They just can't make it without having that cultural thing and having the, 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 the physical relationship and all that. They're just too lonely or whatever, so he just allows them. But it's not God's will for everybody to get married. I can prove it, but I'm not going to this morning. Praise God. Um, the Amplified of 828 in Romans says, and called according to his design and purpose. Now, I noticed this, that in the New Testament, just think about this with me. I didn't do a survey of it, but can you think of very many scriptures where the Lord in the New Testament talks about the importance of our job? Can you call up scriptures where he says to pray about your career and uh, and really be mindful and and really be uh, he does talk about servants uh, to their masters he does talk about that if you don't work you can't eat but really is there much about the 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 
diligence that we're to give to our jobs where, oh, I can't come to that event at church and I can't do that for the kingdom because I've got my job and I've got this boss and I've got this career plan. The Word doesn't tell us much about that. Matter of fact, if anything, it says, don't worry about anything because God will supply all your need and because um, everything the Gentiles need, we'll give it to you. But it says, seek first the kingdom. That's what it says over and over. It talks about callings. It talks about your election. It talks about your ministry. It talks about things that we in the church generally put as a low level, and we put a high level to our job, our career, and that thing of our life. And then at the end of your career, and you don't know it unless you've looked at somebody else, because if you're at the end, you're at the end. It's like nobody wishes they'd stayed at work longer when they're on their deathbed. Nobody wishes that they had, had given more to the company. They all have regrets. I know I do. Uh, that the farm got it, the, the church got it, the, everything got it, and my family didn't get it. And it's like, I regret that. And you can't do much about it except repent and then get back on the track. And when I say the church, that's the, the job aspect where I, it was just idolatry. It was just I was totally neglecting other things in order to make that happen. So I believe God has a plan, a blueprint for nations. There's scripture about that. For states, we have, 20, we have 31 prophecies now about Alabama where God specifically says, I've called you out and you will be a this and a that and in the, in the whole. It's specific. Um, there's callings on cities. The Word of God deals specifically about cities in many places. He talks about Chorazin and, and Bethsaida, Sodom and Gomorrah. He deals with cities and said, I had a blueprint and you went off the deep end with your lewd acts and your idolatry and your, your king that set himself up as God. He said, I can't do anything with the whole city because of things that are going on. It's not like, well, we're all just individuals, Lord. Nope, the whole city. I got to X them off or the whole city. I can use them for good. Same thing in a family. You have a family that's called that rises or falls based on some things that somebody did in your family. And we have to break that off. If you had a grandfather that was an alcoholic or a wife beater or a, or a, a, a gambler or something, that sets things into that family that make it hard for the innocent, who always suffer for the, for the righteous, it makes them hard to rise up against, and, and obtain their blueprint because they've got that stigma and that force uh, leaning against them. Someone has violated the blueprint of God for that family. And someone has to rise up and come out around it and make their family great again for God. Whereas if you're born to a, a, a king or a, a governor that's righteous, you don't do anything as a little kid. You just grow up and enjoy it and everything, and all of a sudden you're, you're available for political office or for greatness. It's like what you do with a family. Someone prayed out the plan, got the family adjusted, got them in the flow of the kingdom, the provision and the favor, and that family's just blessed. Our founding fathers are certainly examples of that. It didn't just happen because of luck or happenstance. It happened because there was a blueprint that people said it's worth following. 
So here we are. We're in a state. We're in a nation and a state and then a city. And there's a plan for Tuscaloosa. There's a plan for this church that's different than First Baptist. I know that. I just I know that it's not the same. We're just not supposed to do certain things that we could do. We could go to the nursing home. We could do a food program. We could, we could do a soup kitchen. We could do so much just with us. And you go, why would God not have you do that? He wants to bless everybody like that. Well, it's because we're supposed to give ourselves to something else. We're not sitting out. We're just going to a different section. And we must be about the Father's business. So uh, there's a lot. I know there's one scripture where Jesus said, many are called few are chosen. And the word chosen there is literally means choose. Many are called, but few choose. So if you're called and you don't choose to go with the calling, then you're off on your own and you're in the God of this world's territory and you're just going to have a nominal life. You're going to have ups and downs. You're going to have diseases in your family members. You're going to have lost jobs. Somebody drowns. Somebody, you know, whatever. Just the normal calamity of life versus being set up in Psalm 91 where 10,000 at my right hand, nope, I'm on the blueprint. And that's not in the blueprint of God. And it works out. Hebrews chapter 12, you and I are special. No more special than anybody down at First Church or anywhere else. Nobody that's even under the bridge today that got drunk last night, not more special than them. But you are at least in a place where you could hear in this atmosphere, this environment, this culture, you could latch on to the blueprint of God and say yes to it and walk your life out in a already prepared path that's blessed, that's got favor on it, that's, that, that things are already supplied for you before you get there. Um, literally, he supplies all of your need. That's the blueprint man. That's the covenant man. That's the man that, that sitteth not in the seat of the scornful. That's the man that uh, rise up and calls his, uh, his uh, wife blessed. Yeah, the wife calls something else. Yeah. Anyway, it's all in there. <laughs> Amen. In Hebrews chapter 12. Got that one wrong. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, look, look, every weight and the sin with this so easily beset us, and let us run, let us run with patience the race, the race that is set before who? Us. Not a race, but the race. Not a race that everybody, Christians, should be, but the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, his blueprint, his life plan, endured the cross. That was a part of his plan, the blueprint on him, despising the shame. So he whipped that plan. He, got, he took hold of it, and he's now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so we also have this challenge, the, uh, the things that are in front of us, to walk out our course. I'm telling you, uh, when, when I was farming, uh, let's just say this. My little brother came in many years after me and started farming, and he's a multimillionaire now. And I don't say I'm smarter than him, but I say I'm as smart as him, just in intellect. I'm not talking about anything else, just, you know. 
I've, I've seen him add up numbers, and I can add up that, that fast. Nothing special about me or him, but he's a multimillionaire doing what I left to do the ministry. And it's just like, really? You left the farm? Bird nest on the ground. Had land. Uh, we were buying land, had equipment. It was there. It was all there. It's very hard to start farming because you have to have so much capital and you have to have backing. And it's so hard to break in because it just you can't just start with a lemonade stand on the corner. You you have to have a tractor, or you can't do it. And so uh, I I had all those things. We were in there and had a big family thing, uh, where where we it just would have went and gone. But when the Lord said, "Enough of that," we went to the other ditch. We we didn't just say, "Well, let's farm for a couple of years and fund this startup in the ministry." For some reason, Debbie and I said, we can't have nothing to do with the farm. My dad begged me, please don't sell the farm. Don't I'll do it for you. You go down there and do your preachy thing, and I'll just farm your land for you, and you come over and check on it and help me a little bit, but I'll do it all. And he had 8,000 acres, and I was like, no, Dad, that would be impure. That would be mix, That would ming mingling seed. That would be God's going to supply, and he wants to do a miracle here. Well, he did want to do a miracle. It was let your dad farm with you and supply every year. And I was selling my tools and selling. I mean, we were just barely making it in every way. And it's like I missed the blueprint. I had the goal in mind to get into the ministry. But I deviated from a, from a fear paradigm, a wrong thinking anyway, and it got me off track. And it took a while to recover. Y'all get this? We had to sell our house and move into another house and take the equity out of that house and put it in the ministry. Just things that you go, really? Really, God? Well, it wasn't him. He wasn't nervous. He wasn't mixed up. It was all me. And we just had this thing, this wrong thing. And that's because I didn't have a mentor, didn't have anybody that could tell me, hey, 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 this isn't how this works. The one time that we did get to call somebody, we called a man in Clovis, New Mexico, and said, uh, Mr. Queener, this is what we're facing. Would God do it this way? It doesn't seem like that's the way God would do it. And he said, absolutely, son. Absolutely, God would do it that way. Do that. We did that, and boom, it worked. So my, my summation of that is, is there's a plan. And if you spend your time seeking the plan and don't do anything until you get the plan, the blueprint imprinted on you, you'll have success every time. Most of our lives as Christians are, are spent backing up and reloading. Stuff that didn't work out, we back up. And, of course, we've got a whole lifetime to do it, but here we are at the end of the age. Would you all agree with me that we could be at the end of the age, that we may not all get to be old and put in the ground? We, next year, 20 years, we all could be meeting him in the air. So we got to get it right more than any generation because we don't even have a normal cycle possibly to live out in that sense. Uh, here in, in Hebrews, though, he says the race that's set before us. So there's a specific race that's set before you and I. It's general in the sense of the word of God that we're all to walk by faith. We're all to walk in love. We're all to have patience and we're all to be long suffering. Those things are all attributes that we all have for our race. But your race is specific. It's, it's based somewhat on the, the generation that you were born in. 
a 21-year-old man's not going to have the same race as a 63-year-old man necessarily. It's going to play out different, a different culture. It's going to be based on your gender. You're not called to be apostle to the nations when you're a 22-year-old woman with two kids. <laughs> you go, I'm called to be the apostle to the nations. Well, I'm supposed to travel over. Well, what about your two babies? Well, God will just work that out. Yeah, he did work that out. And he, it's not that you're to go now. You're supposed to get those two kids, gather them up to you, and pray, pray, and pray until he shows you the way, way, way. Uh, all sort of, it's based on your race. Now, heaven's not based on race, but we all have to deal with our race or our physical attributes. If you, you can, there's some things that some people can't do that other people can, and we have to factor all in and say, Lord, where do I fit in your plan? You set the members in the body severally as it has pleased you. Where does it please you? The Amplified says, let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. The Living says, let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. The NIV says, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Point yourself with me and say, for me. So you can't just look over there and say, I like, to, I like the way she sings. I'm going to be a singer. It's just, it could be, but not likely that your blueprints are going to match five other people in the room, your, your fingerprints. It's likely you're not a singer just because you enjoy that. Second Timothy chapter 4. I want to convince you that there's a plan for your life that you cannot escape and have the blessing and the satisfaction that you're looking for. It says in 2 Timothy um, chapter 4, verse, uh, verse 6. This is Paul telling Timothy. This is amazing. Listen, let me just tell you all right now. We'll talk about it another time. But God doesn't have a time for you to die. Just get that out of your religious thinking. I've had to deal with it. You know, you go out to Texas and you do a funeral. You have to, a lot of it was just his time. And it's just, it's just that kind of thinking will hinder you. It'll hamstring you. You'll give up. But look what Paul said, who did not believe that. He said, I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. Okay, that means that God's got a time for him. But look, verse 7, I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And then he goes on and talks about what's laid up for him. But he said, I have finished my course. It's time for us to go when you finished your course. That's when it's time to go. That's when you can say sayonara. Charles Capps, uh, he, he went into his family and he said, just like this. It was just like the scripture. Uh, two years ago, he said, uh, it's time for me to go. And he departed. He didn't die. He departed. He told his family, blessed them. He went individually, gave them instructions. And then he went out. He went to bed. And the next morning, he was gone. Can you imagine the faith that it takes to depart? Because you can't just will yourself to die. You, I mean, you wake up the next morning. It's like, I might die tonight. Well, likely you're going to wake up in the morning. He did because he was over. Now, there's a lot involved in that, but God does not have a time for you to die. The devil does. It's tomorrow. It's this afternoon. But God does not. He wants you to finish your course. Nobody thinks the house is finished 
if there's no front door. Nobody thinks that you're finished with this, this project when there's no air conditioner hooked up to the house. And God does not release Christians until they're finished. Now, they release themselves. And it's good theology, but it's not true. The Amplified says, Let us run with patient endurance and steady and active persistence the appointed course of the race that is set before us. The Living says, Let us run with patience the particular race that God has set before us. The NIV says, Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. So, uh, well, that's in, excuse me, that's in Hebrews. Um, Paul said in today's English, I've done my best in the race. I have run the full distance. So that's the point right there. Now, let me read to you Acts 20, verse 22. When they asked Paul, what are you doing? Don't, please don't go to Jerusalem. The prophet went to him and said, please don't go. And he said, but I'm bound by the spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city that jail and suffering lie ahead. But here it is. But my life is worth nothing to me, nothing to me. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord. So we have a different paradigm in the church. My life is worth nothing to me unless, and there's a whole list of things that people list, Christians, but none of them are finishing the course that God has given them, or they'd be on it every day. They'd be on it. They'd say, yes, pastor, I'm calling to see if you need some help. Well, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm in. Yes, I'm in. I'm studying. I'm reading. I'm praying. I'm, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. That's not what most Christians are doing. And so I want you to turn back to Romans, and we'll finish with this. Romans chapter 8, the scripture we started with. Praise his name. Are you in this morning? Praise God. Romans chapter 8. Well, we looked at verse 28. We know all things work together for good. But let's slip back up to verse 26, where it says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, our weaknesses. Look, right here. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. It's talking about the blueprint on your life. Talking about the scheme of God's specific plan for your life. But the Spirit, here he is, itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Greek means cannot be expressed in words. And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he maketh intercession for the saints, look, look, according to the will of God. Well, that is the will of God, the Word of God, but it's also the will of God for me, for Lawrence, for Eric. It's the will of God for us. He's not, he's not just praying for the whole world. He's praying for you and I. We are the whole world. And then, in verse 28, the man, the woman that is praying in the Holy Ghost for the will of God, then all things work together for good to them that are called, that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Pray in the Holy Ghost. Debbie says it all the time when we come to prayer. She says, even on Wednesday, let's pray out the plan. Pray out the plan. There's a plan for River Church. There's a plan for Tuscaloosa. But there's also a plan for you. Every day you've got decisions to make. Every day a Christian wakes up and his life has got one thing in front of him. It's called priorities. You can't do everything there is to do, 
you, you just can't do everything. There's not enough time. There's not enough energy. There's not enough of anything. So all your days are, my days are, is what I prioritized, what I said. This is important. And when I say something is important, I'm going to go do it, I lay aside a plethora of things that I will not do, that I cannot do. So when we do something instead of read the Word or pray, then we're saying that is important and that we can't go back and and pick that up because once it's gone, it's gone. God has a blueprint for us. He's got a plan for us. We can see that even at River Church here, that there's a marking on our life. And it's pretty hard to see except that he says he wants us to host a move of God in Alabama. And we're going, Lord, there's a specific plan for that. We'll just get on the track and let you reveal as we go how that's done. It'll not be different than the walled cities and the giants. Praise God. So I want to pray for you this morning. I want to believe God with you that that this time in our life, more than any other time, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how little you know. You can re-engage the supernatural power of God for right now, and he'll get us up to speed. He just wants us to be at the right place at the right time with the right stuff. Lord, I pray this morning for River Church and for these families that are here. And I pray, Lord, that you'd give us unction. Unction to reformat our priorities and to put the will of God for our lives in first place. You'll never put us at a bad place. Lord, I believe you'll never put something fun and good like grandchildren or a, or relationships. You'll never put anything out of our life that we, that we know you value. But Lord, we're all involved in things that preclude and take away opportunities for you to minister through us. And we give place to that this morning. In Jesus' name, I give place to that in my life this morning. Let the blueprint be imprinted on me for heaven on earth as it is. For heaven on earth. Lord, in Jesus' name, I change my mind. We change our mind this morning. Lord, I believe that when we change our mind and say, Come, come Holy Spirit and show us that doors will open, opportunities will flood in, and strength and power will come upon us to take up the new plan of God, the real plan of God, the blueprint ordained for us. I thank you, Lord, for finances flowing in and making your blueprint doable. I thank you, Lord, for time becoming that you multiply our time. I thank you for strength in our members to walk out the will of God in these last days. I pray for boldness for this church, Lord, that we would go into the marketplace and be unashamed and unafraid to present the gospel, to present our testimony, to present the good news. And I give you thanks, Lord, for a new day in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 These are critical days but they're also the funnest days we've ever had. We are going to have fun together walking out the will of God. Does anyone need prayer this morning? We're all good? Let me make sure I got that. Okay.
We're going to make the church great again. There's nothing here, like the Lord Jesus said, there's nothing, like Isaiah said, there was nothing about him that would make men come to him. And we have, we have said, Lord, we are, we are available to you in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Let's rise up. Let's stand up. Let's lift our hands to heaven. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. We lift up the Lord Jesus. He is everything to us. We pledge allegiance to him. We pledge our honor. We pledge our strength. We pledge the end of our days. We're not afraid of a shortness of, a, of, of our own life, Lord. We will finish our course. Barry and Melissa will finish. Madison will finish. Garland and Annette will finish. Eric and Anita will finish. Michael and Debbie will finish. Lawrence and Kathleen will finish. We will finish our course. And in the doing of it, we will inspire others by the goodness of God on us to finish their course as well. We give you our lives, Lord. Do with us according to your will in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.